Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Barjuri. This episode is for those of you working in and running agencies. And it's an interview with a guy called Rob DeCosta, who is an agency coach. And Rob joins me to talk about this concept of the self-running agency. So how do you set up an agency in such a way that it runs without your direct control over the day-to-day operations? And this might really appeal to you if you're running an agency and you've got one eye on maybe exiting, selling the business or finding a way to take a step back from the day-to-day operations, the madness, the craziness of running a marketing or communications agency. So if you're running an agency, this really might be up your street if you want to think about um, the future, about succession, about exit, or just about how to make your life a little bit easier. Enjoy the show. Rob, good morning. Welcome to the Through the Line podcast. How are you doing today? I am really well. Thanks, Andy, and thanks for having me on the show. I was just explaining that I'm fortunate to be sitting in sunny Cape Town as you're recording this, and I know it's cold and frosty back in the UK at the moment. It's very frosty this morning. I can tell you it was chilly on the dog walk this morning, but uh, look at you in sunny Cape Town. Yeah, I'm certainly not missing the cold. It's nice to be here in the middle of the summer. Yeah, yeah, I bet. But thanks you very much for coming to talk to us today. I'm really happy to have you here because I know that you're an expert in the space that many of our audience members are, which is the agency world. And if I've done my homework right, I think you founded and grew a, a PR Marcoms agency to about one and a half million turnover, 25 staff, and then you sold that back in the early 2000s and, yeah. and used that as a kind of platform to become a, a coach working with agencies, helping them to be better at being an agency, I guess. Yeah, no, well, that's, I don't need to say anything because that's a pretty good summary of my, <laughs> my career. Um, Excellent. Good. So we're, we're in a very similar space. You obviously sold your agency and I went the other way and downsized mine and became a consultant again. But we had a similar learning, similar journeys, and, and we're obviously hoping both to pass those on to some of our clients. And one of the areas that I've seen you talking about a lot is this idea of a self-running agency. Yeah, And that really resonates with me because it's bloody hard work running an agency. And as you grow it with the idea that you might want to exit and sell it at some point, actually you need to kind of remove yourself from the day-to-day operations of running that agency so that you've got a saleable asset. And I think a lot of the listeners to this show who are in that space have that eye on the future to think, how do I get ready to sell my shop to, and probably most of them are thinking, how do I get publicists or WPP or Omnicom just to buy my shop? And and I think this is one of those concepts that's probably worthwhile exploring to help them on that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting that when people start their own agency, they often think their end goal is to sell the business. But of course, when we are selling a service-based business we have to think about what is it we're actually selling and we're not making widgets so it's not such an obvious thing and if you the owner are really embedded in the day-to-day running of the business then two things happen one is that you limit your growth and your scalability and second of all is you're going to be tied into a very long earnout period with the business that buys you but I've also learned that whilst that kind of strokes people's egos around the idea of selling their baby one day in the future actually a lot of people come to realize that they don't want to sell their agency they do want to have a succession plan but they don't want to sell their agency and that's where 
building a self-running agency helps both in terms of achieving that goal, but also achieving a goal of selling the business one day as well. Yeah, interesting. And, and and actually, it would be great at some point to pick apart what those various different options are for continuity, whether it's exit or legacy or whatever they are. But yeah. but for today, you're right. It's about how do we create that asset, that machine that we sell. And this, that self-running agency approach, I think, is the way to create something that is that we can sell. So, yeah. so tell me then, what are the kind of principles of a self-running agency? Well, first of all, let's just talk, take a few steps back. If we think about how an agency starts and typically grows in its early years, this is what the sort of typical pattern looks like. So you start, you have an idea, you have an opportunity, there's some kind of catalyst moment where you think, okay, I'm going to start my own business. You start your own business, you spend perhaps the first year proving that you can make it work and then you need to, then you start growing and you need to get additional capacity so you either work with freelancers or part-timers or you start hiring staff. And of course, when we hire staff in the early days, we haven't got a ton of money. So the staff we typically hire are fairly junior. They're probably good at doing things. They can take some work off your plate. But what happens over time if we're not very careful is there's a big gap that grows between you, the leader of the agency, and then the rest of your team. And you will quickly become the bottleneck to growth because everything's sitting on your shoulders still. Everyone's deferring to you for decisions. The clients will want you on their account. And what we're actually doing here is creating the opposite of a self-running agency. We're creating an agency that's totally dependent on us. And it feels really, really stressful. We end up working for a boss that's much tougher than the boss we used to work before. We're at the beck and call of all, all our clients. We're at the beck and call of all our staff. So we, so the first, so I mean, I'm painting a pretty bleak picture, but I think that is a fairly familiar story of what happens in the first few years. And if we want to get over that, that hurdle. Rob, can I just say you've described my experience almost down to a T. And me too, and loads of other people that I've worked with, which is, you know, what I think your listeners will be able to relate to that that story. So there's a few things that we need to get in place if we want to move on from that point and get over that hurdle to get to the next stage of growth. And I think the first thing that we need to do is have a plan, because in the first few years of running a business, you're just trying to prove you can make it work. You're lurching from day to day, from client to client. You've probably got all your business through your black book and through your network um, and referrals, and you haven't really had to have much strategy in place. And there's a certain point where that doesn't work anymore and it's not scalable. So the first thing we need to do is get a plan in place, which sounds so obvious, but we need a roadmap. We need a map that says this is the destination we're heading towards this is how we're going to get to that destination. And these are the specifics of what we need to do. So that looks like your vision, which is your destination, say a one-year plan, the strategy, which is how we're going to get there, and then the specific sort of monthly plan, which is what we need to do. And I always say a monthly plan for a business is like a to-do list for your business. So I think keeping that vision and that plan really simple is key Mm -hmm. to that happen but we need a roadmap because without that we're just at the mercy of all the external factors i agree i agree and i talk about this a lot as well that vision piece i I often relate this to my experience in i didn't have a very well defined vision for my team and so they didn't know where i was trying to take the agency and in fact i lost a, a senior guy who said exactly that i don't know where you're going with this business what what are we doing here and for me the 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 vision was in my head. It was clear what I was trying to achieve. I just hadn't articulated it. There was no real business plan that existed beyond what lived inside my brain. Yeah. And, and that 
that meant we had two things. It had a, we had a disengaged team and we had very short-term thinking because all we were really focused on is, well, let's hit payroll. Let's make sure the clients we've got right now are as happy as they can be. And there was no real strategy for how do we get the next clients, that the clients that are really well suited to us, that we really want to work on, that are going to motivate and engage our team. So that planning piece was was definitely missing from from my setup. Yeah, and again, I think that is really common. And I always liken a, a vision and a plan to a journey. So if you take the scenario you just described, Andy, where it was in your head, and maybe in your head you want to take the agency to the south of France, but you haven't articulated that to the rest of the business. So you've got someone in your agency who decides that actually Scotland would be the place he wants to go to. <laughs> and you've got someone else who's quite happy to stay where she is. And imagine what that feels like in your business when everyone ends up pulling in different directions. And of course, you know, your team want to know where their career is headed and they want to see it. Are they aligned to the vision of the business? So if you don't articulate that out loud and actually document it and also have a method from getting to the vision, i.e. the south of France in this case, how are we going to get there? Because otherwise it just kind of is a hope and a dream. And we get there, it will feel really painful in the process because we've got no way planning it so um, it's super important to do this and I think that too many people make this overly complicated there's two big mistakes that I see in doing a a vision and a plan one is that they go off site for two days we do this big session where we do all planning for the year and then we cast it in stone and we are not constantly updating it and therefore we Mm. beat ourselves up a year later and if anything we've learned in the last few years is that things can change very quickly so yes, we make yes. sure every month we are reviewing our plan and our vision and, and not being scared to change it and saying, what do we know today that we didn't know last month? Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I mean, a client of mine does that annual away day kickoff session. And the idea is to engage the team to get them to input into what the business plan looks like. And I, I help them to facilitate that. And we're planning again for it this year. And they said, can we do a session on, I think it was buyer personas. And I thought that sounds familiar how haven't we done that before? And actually we did that last year. It's just, it didn't exist beyond that session. It never actually got used. So people were still asking eight, nine, 10 months later, even two months later, who's our real target audience here. Yeah. And, and that's interesting. You know, you can do the homework, but you've actually got to then apply it into the day to day. Haven't you? Absolutely. So I would say that once you've created that plan at your two day away day, then if you have a monthly management meeting, then you should be using the plan as the basis for that conversation because it keeps the monthly management meeting at a high level. It does it it stops that conversation being operational and it gives yes. the opportunity to review the plan. So I think that's the first the first component of building an agency that is less dependent on you, i.e. a self-running mm. agency. Okay. The second component is around having a proper process for the for the future of your agency i.e marketing and business development and winning new business and um, because like i said often i'm sure you find the same thing andy you talk to a client early on and you ask them how they win their business and they rather proudly tell you that well i get all my business through referrals and word of mouth and that's great but that's no strategy that's kind of like hope and also yes. when, when the economy gets tough those referrals and word of mouth opportunities tend to dry up so that so you whilst you want to nurture that you actually need to have a much more robust system for winning new business so that looks like putting a proper marketing plan in place and having a a business development strategy that means you can get a constant flow of new business 
so that you avoid that awful feast or famine that so many agencies go through and that you are able to align your new business to your plan so you can also start to plan capacity in terms of when you should start hiring and what are the metrics that you should hit to know that you should start hiring and also know that it might take six months to find that person. So we want to do it six months in advance rather than getting a very stressed agency because we've got all this new business, but we don't have the ability to service it. So the second piece of a um, uh, building a self-funding agency is having a really robust system for new business in place. Um, And if you take that right the way back to the beginning, that really means that you have to have a clear niche. You have to understand exactly who your ideal target customer is. And you have to know intimately well what the pains are that, that your target customer has that keep them awake at night that your product or services can solve and then build marketing plans around that messaging and also then build that you know find the two or three business development strategies that really work for you and then build a system so that you can scale that um yes. as you grow and delegate it to other people yeah that's 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 right and and i think what you said at the start there is you know when you kick off your agency you use your black book of contacts you call around and you get some clients and i certainly did the same thing when i launched my agency i called up old clients and the first one i called was a pr director for xerox he's come and make me for a coffee i think we went to the langham hotel near to oxford circus in london and i had a coffee and within half an hour he'd hired me to do some exec comms work for him i was like wow this is so easy how can this not be how can people not work at you know make an agency work it's really easy and my second gig was very similar i went to rent a desk off some guy who had some spare space and in his office. He said, what are you going to be doing? I said, I'm going to be doing marketing communications consultancy. He said, great. I need a marketing person. You can work for me. And I just couldn't believe my look. You know, two conversations, two clients, and I, and I was away. But it never happened like that ever again. From that day onwards, it was always much more difficult i think to gain clients because i didn't really have a strategy in place you know, i knew who i wanted to work with and the kind of sectors i was in but my positioning was was really unclear and we were trying to say we did a lot of too many different things to our clients you know that kind of all things to all people that never really works yeah. so i totally agree with you and, and i think most agencies that i talk to haven't really defined yet their position in the market. So who are we, who do we look after and why should they care? And I think that's a key part of that marketing strategy, isn't it? Understanding who it is you really want to service. Yeah, I think also perhaps this is a fear that you were running as well, that people want to, they want to hedge their bets because they think the more generalist they are and the more services they offer, the easier it will be to win clients but we all know yes. that absolutely the opposite is true of that. The more specialist you are, the easier it is for your ideal target client to find you because they're looking for that specialist. And if you That's are, right. if you're an expert in a certain number of services, then at the end of the day, you know it's quite simple. If you need knee surgery, you go and find a knee surgeon specialist. You don't go to your GP. And if you were paying for that, guess which of those two is going to charge you more money? And exactly the same is true with yeah. agency world. So I would encourage everybody to be very niche in terms of their target market, but also niche in terms of their services. And I, and I think you have to dig, drill very deep into your expertise before you start going wide. And when you've dug really deep and you've really won a lot of that market share, only then can you think about going a bit wider. But if anybody's thinking oh yeah, well i agree i think people have no oh, 
Sorry, on. Rob, we've got a bit of a delay on the line there. It sounds like a bit of a BBC report, doesn't it? It's a bit of a delay on the line from our man in Cape Town, but that's all right. I was just going to interject there and say that people get a bit worried. They get a bit scared about niching down, don't they, in terms of what if I go too narrow and nobody finds me? What if I try and get too specific? And I, and I think that the marketing world is so broad now that you can get very specific. You can get very targeted. Like, like for example, there's an agency I've seen recently that does Shopify for retail brands, and that, that's their gig, right? And they focus on that, and they're flying. And I think, well, you couldn't have done that maybe 10 years ago. It just wouldn't have existed. And, and now you can be much more specific, much more targeted around a piece of tech, for example, and a sector and a service. So I think there's more scope for it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like I said, I would encourage anyone, especially in their early days, to be to really find your niche and really learn about the problems that your target customer has that you can solve so that you can create marketing messages that really hit home. And what you want is someone to read or watch or listen to a bit of your content and think, oh, my God, they're a mind reader. That's exactly what's going on for me. Because only then are they going to reach out to you and start having a conversation about how you can help them. So I think that's number two yeah. in the yeah. sort of stages of building a self-running agency. And then the third piece is all around creating systems and processes and documenting systems and processes. So this is where the owner needs to get a lot of what's in their head and get it into documented systems. Because then I can hire people and I can be sure that my client's going to get a consistent experience because they're going to deliver it my agency's way. And this is often a, a bit of an anathema to agency owners because, of course, they're not detailed people. Typically, they're very entrepreneurial. They're, started, they're, they're good at the ideas, but they're not complete finishers. So you might want to get some help with this. But, you, you know, I really would encourage you to document your standard operating procedures and all those things that you do intuitively whether that be, um, if you think about the client journey, it needs to be from the very beginning of um, how you go about winning your clients, so your marketing, your marketing activities, documenting those, your business development, your client, your prospecting and pitching, your client onboarding, client service and delivery, and then client retention and growth. So if you look at the whole of the customer journey from A to Z and start to document them, then you are creating a scalable agency. Now, one really big benefit of this, Andy, is that if you are coming to sell your business, let's just think about this for a moment. If there were two agencies, they both had 25 staff, they both turned over one and a half million pounds, agency A didn't have any of what we're talking about, and agency B has really well-documented systems and processes, a, a business dev system that is that is robust and works and scalable, well, agency B is worth an awful lot more money than agency A, even though they might turn over exactly the same revenue and have mm -hmm. the same profit, agency B is going to sell themselves for a lot more money. So just as a sort of a byproduct here is that a big benefit of doing this is not only that it can remove you, the agency owner, from the day-to-day, -day, but it also adds an awful lot of value to the value yeah. of your agency. And I think it's interesting what you said earlier on about that earnout period as well. If you've got a well-structured business, your earnout might be a little bit shorter. And I think I've seen this, and I know you've experienced this as well, is that earnout period when you've sold an agency can be really tough. It's yeah. not easy to be working in a business that you used to run that is now owned by somebody else. And you're no longer the boss, but you're part of the team. And that's a difficult period i think so having these systems and processes that 
A, help you with the valuation, but B, also help you to earn out, get your money quicker. It's probably a big incentive for most agency owners. So I get that. I guess the, yeah. the big question with systems and processes is that, is that documentation period? Because I've had this conversation quite a few times and, and people aren't really sure how best to document systems and processes. What does that look like? Is it is it a massive Word document full of every last detail? Is it a checklist of things you need to do? Is it How do you, how do you present that information? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely not a massive document because no one's going to read it. It could well be a checklist. It certainly could be videos showing people how to do things. It could be a, a process from A to Z. Um, and I would encourage anyone, actually, if you um, have people in your team, then get them to do a lot of the work because um, they're going to do it better than you. And if they're doing it every day, they can actually start to say, okay, how do I manage a client? What is the typical yeah. process to do that? So. I would what I would do is start with the high level most important systems and processes and get them documented first and use them as guides and training material for new team members and then start to look at that whole customer journey and fill in the blanks. Yeah. So I'd start with I probably start with kind of client management, client onboarding, client communications, client retention type of documentation first of all and then um, because that way, if I bring in a new account manager or an account exec and we have all of that documented, think how much quicker they're going to get up to speed and think how much more confident you will be to let go because you know that they are following you know, your agency's process rather than them just bringing whatever experience they might have had from somewhere else and perhaps managing yes. things differently. And actually, I've seen it before, Andy, where agencies have done that and they let people do things their own way i, I have a an old client that had this ridiculous situation where they they weren't that big but about 12 people they had three account teams and each account team did things differently from wow. reporting okay. to planning it was ridiculous and trying to standardize it retrospectively was very very difficult because everyone's yes. trying to say this is the best way of doing it so that's a ridiculous situation but it happens so the earlier you do this in your journey the better i always tell agencies that they need to behave like the agency they want to be so that they can easily grow into that agency so putting some of these foundations in place now even though they might feel overly um not cumbersome is the wrong word but overly detailed is really going to help you behave like the agency you want to grow into being is, is really nice and yeah. it, it kind of relating that back to my experience I think when we were about three people we we brought in a, an operations consultant just to help us with some of the logistics around how do we operationalize it really well so even simple things like job numbers and how do we store information securely how do we share information in the way that everyone does it the same way these simple things can save a lot of time. And I think when you're in a business where really a lot of your work is about selling time for money, the more efficient you are at delivering your service, the better your bottom line is as well. So I guess from a, a resilience point of view and a profitability point of view, doing this exercise early on is really, really valuable. Yeah. That, that scenario you painted there with 12 people and you know three different account teams doing everything differently sounds like a headache. Oh my goodness. Well, imagine how difficult it is to scale that. So I'm going to bring in a fourth team. What do I do? Do I let the fourth team do what they want? 
do I make them follow <laughs> Team A, Team B, or Team T? Honestly, that's a true story, and I'm not making that up. I know it might be an extreme example, but you can imagine that this particular business has really struggled to grow and actually yes. has had a fairly high turnover of clients because they don't have consistency and they're not necessarily doing things best practice yes. in this whole other conversation. But that sort of leads us on to the fourth point, really, which is when you've got all of these things in place, you can start to think about succession planning. And succession planning means, okay, now I've built an agency that is less dependent on me. I've got a whole bunch of options. So succession planning obviously could mean selling the business. Mm. But it could also mean I'm going to hire a managing director to run the business for me because I want to have... Listen, we start our own business for three reasons. We want flexibility, we want freedom, and we want control. And yet we often find that we're giving up flexibility and freedom for the need of control or we give up fle- control for flexibility and freedom. But if we haven't put all the things in place that I've described, we end up lurching back into rescue things when they start going wrong. So um, succession planning, now we've got these things in place, starts to look like I'm only going to work in the agency two days a week. I've got a client who is... Um, runs a, uh, a digital agency and has a passion for photography. And so he has his own projects outside of work. He has a, an exhibition and a gallery and he spends two or three days a week working on that now because he's put all of these components in place. He has a really strong number two who is really good at the nitty gritty of the operational side of things so he can trust that he can let go and trust that things won't fall apart and trust that he'll be communicated with when he is needed and only work in the agency two days a week and he aspires to get to the point where he's taking a much more of a sort of non-exec role and only working in the agency two or three days a month but he doesn't want to sell the business and it is worth thinking that sometimes if you can get to that point then you created this cash cow that can fund the life that you know of the things that you want to do outside mm. of work. So that's why selling the agency isn't always the be all and end all because you could actually potentially make more money by creating yeah. a self-running agency that is giving you the income without needing to be working there five days a week. Yeah, I think that's a good way of doing it. And I, I remember there's a, an agency we used to work with, a telemarketing agency based in Bista. And I think their the owner of that business was in that kind of chair role where he was you know living his life four days out of five and one day he was in the office working with the md or the ceo to to help him with those bigger picture issues strategy and hiring and firing and all that sort of stuff but he was still the owner of the business so he was still taking home a healthy dividend every quarter you know however they paid him out but it's a good way of looking at it and i think most people running agencies have a view of they want to sell without really understanding what that process looks and feels like because they haven't sold a business before and maybe it isn't the right way for them as you say perhaps there are other options to consider that are better suited well i well i would say if someone someone said to me hey rob you know i need some help i want to sell my agency i would ask them why yeah and that's a good question to just think about, like, why do you want to sell your agency? And, and they may, like, I just started working with an old client that's come back on board and it, he runs this agency with his partner and they have brought me on board because they want to put a five-year plan in to exit the business. And, and they are 
a really good example of what I'm talking about. They have a home in France. They want to spend more time in their home in France. They have some other interests outside of their agency. So when you ask the question, why do you want to sell? And they're of a certain age, sort of my age. And so it makes sense. So that's like, okay, yeah, that ticks a bunch of the boxes. Let's work on the things I've just talked about to make it a saleable business. But a lot of people might be in their 20s or 30s and they go, yeah, you know, I want to start this agency and I want to sell it in five years. And you ask the question, why do you want to sell? And they don't really know, except they've mm. seen other people supposedly do it and make their millions and they think they can do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally r- r- relate to that as well. So, I mean, I really like the idea of this self-running agency. And I guess two things, two questions crop up for me, first of all, is how long does it take if you're running an existing agency to instill the systems and processes to to embed a proper process for sales and marketing and to define and agree a business plan that everyone works to? Is this a, a year-long thing, two months, three years, five years? What's a realistic time frame? And, and the second question is, does this work for any size of agency? Do I need to be a certain size to be thinking about this? Or should I think this way from day one when I set up on my kitchen table offering PR services with a view to growing? Do I yeah. start out this way? Yeah, so that, let me answer the second question first of all, because that's that's a really good one. I think when we start a business, we've got this imposter syndrome voice or this internal inner voice saying, judging us about what success looks like. And if I don't grow 20% year on year, and if I don't sell my agency one day, then I'm not being successful. So my first answer to that is that success is not determined by any of that. Success is determined by, are you doing something that you love doing? Are you, do you feel in control of it? Does it give you the income, the flexibility and freedom that you want? And I have some clients that are one-person businesses and never want to grow beyond that. They don't even want to hire staff, so they might maybe work with some freelancers, but they certainly don't want to grow a business. And those people are never going to build a self-running agency because, you know, they're not they're not wanting to put those structures in place. They they it's very much a lifestyle business. And that is a big thumbs up from me if that's what they aspire to. So mm. I think if you want to be a very small business like that, then you will not be able to build a self-running agency and that's perfectly okay. So you probably, you do need sort of a groundswell of people to delegate to because you can't build a business that's not dependent on you if you don't have staff to delegate to. (laughs) The first starting point with this is that you need some, you ultimately need a really strong second in command who is trustworthy and able. And then you want to put a team beneath them that is doing client delivery and you know, making sure the ad, the admin side and the operational side of your business is running. So that's so that so you probably do need uh, a groundswell of people to get to that. Which so you probably need, I would say, at least five people to get to that point in the end. And then the first question you asked was, how long does it take? Well, that is a little bit of a how long is a piece of string because if you can allocate a lot of time to strategy, i.e., working on the future of your business, then you can do this pretty quickly. But of course, most people are fairly embedded in client delivery. So a lot of the time, my clients are saying, I know I'm not getting time to work on business development or the future of the agency or marketing or positioning or documenting these systems and processes because I'm so entrenched in client delivery. And so we have to find a way of breaking that cycle. We have to find a way of getting them off the client service hamster wheel of doom, as I like to call it. (laughs) And um, 
if they can't allocate the time to work on the future of their agency, then this is going to take a lot longer. But if you can allocate one, one and a half days a week to working on the future, if you're working five days a week to working on the future of your agency, then you're going to get there a lot quicker. And it all Mm -hmm. depends on the appetite you have. And also your risk profile, you know, a high risk company is going to put people in place and then fill their capacity a low risk company is going to win the capacity first of all, and then try and put the people in place. So it's, there's a bit about how how risk averse or pro risk are you. But I would say, you know, if you were in that place where you can allocate time to doing this, it's going to take you two years, three years to to get to a point where you truly have everything in place so that you can start letting go. The client I mentioned, who is um, the owner, is really into photography. I've been working with them for about three years and he's really at the stage where um, he is running a self-running agency. And I have another client whose chairman is in his 60s, who's the owner of the business, and he is very, very hands-off and has mm-hmm. been a long time. So, um, you know, it is truly possible to get it. This isn't just some type of dream that sounds really fantastic, but there's no method to get there. It really is possible and um, you just have to have the appetite to to do the things that you need to do, which is what we've talked about here, having a plan, business dev strategy and systems and processes, and then succession, which means getting work off your plate and yes. letting go. I mean, one of the challenges about entrepreneurs is that they are control freaks, let's face it. Um, and so they find it very <laughs> difficult to let go. They find it very difficult to delegate. They yes. believe people will never do it as well as them. They believe it's quicker to do it themselves. All these stories we yes. tell ourselves, which keep us totally embedded in the company. Well, I, I, I think we like doing the work as well. That's why we start out. You know, we like to be involved in pitching journalists or designing logos or running events. You know, and you have to get beyond that because if you're the business owner, yeah, sure, you might love doing those things, but actually, you need to build a team to do it for you. Otherwise, in that agency environment, you get stuck on what you've lovely, uh, perfectly called the hamster client service hamster wheel of doom. Well, there's and another. Go on. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Andy. There's another thought here as well, which is that you sort of start making yourself redundant because all the tasks you used to do, other people are doing them, and it can feel, it can feel like you're lost when this happens because you have to redefine your role and your relationship in the agency. And a lot of people really struggle with that. So part of building this self-running agency is to really redefine your role and rewrite your roles, responsibilities and acknowledge it's not what it used to be and get over that feeling of being a bit of a spare part. I've got another client who is a London agency, but the owner lives in Brazil and he's gone through this. He's got two really strong second in commands back in London and he has gone through this feeling of like, I'm a bit of a spare part now. I don't really know what to do. And so we've had to really define his role and work on special projects yes. that he, he can do that only he can do. So I think we should acknowledge that feeling of being a bit lost and redundant, but that's part of the yes. journey. Yeah. And, and that's where I guess where you want to get to. So you can reinvent yourself into a space where you have the freedom and the flexibility that you really set out to achieve when you set up your agency. I'm just trying to get my head around how you can really be in Brazil and have the you know the reins of an agency in London. That's quite a challenge, I'd imagine. But kudos to him for making that work. He's living the dream. I mean, he comes back to London every two months for about two or three weeks and yeah. runs his business successfully from Brazil. And one of the key reasons why that works is because he has two really strong people who are 
like joint managing yes. directors now. So they're yeah. he they're totally trustworthy. They're the only two people that he's liaising with on a daily basis, and so he knows what's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it works. It is totally totally possible to do. Incredible, Rob. Thank you very much for exploring the self running agency concept. I love the idea of it. I think it's that kind of utopia that dream for many people running agencies that they can take that step back and, and the agency doesn't fold because they've got that strong team. They've got those systems and processes and it gives them that ability to think about succession. So I think that's really interesting. Um, if people want to find out more, where's the best place for them to reach you and give you a call and say, Rob, how do I make this happen? Yeah, just a couple of things really. If you go to my website, which is simply dacostacoaching.co.uk, so D-A-C-O-S-T-A coaching or one word, .co.uk, you can read lots more. But if you add slash book onto the end of that URL, then you can download a copy of my book called The Self-Running Agency, which digs into what we've talked about today in a lot more detail. And, you know, that gives you some of the starting points for taking the first steps on this journey. Excellent. Well, I'm going to be the first or the next reader of that book, Rob. I'll head straight there and download it. But thank you very much for coming on the show and exploring the concept. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. And I'm still a little bit jealous that you're sat in the sunshine. I'm in the cold of Bedfordshire. But uh, thanks again. And uh, yeah, let's catch up again soon. Great stuff. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on board.